I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, recording on a bank holiday Monday. So we should all be like, quite quite happy and uh, enjoying ourselves. But instead, we've got to uh, we've got to come here and talk about yet another disappointing Everton defeat at Goodison Park. Uh, Aston Villa, the latest team to come away from Goodison with all three points, thanks to a first half strike from Ollie Watkins and a goal in the second half from Anwar El Ghazi despite Dominic Calvert-Lewin pulling Everton level before the interval. Uh, I'm your host today, Adam Jones, today joined by Chris Beasley, Gav Buckland and Connor O'Neill. And Chris, will uh, you, you get the joy of starting us off yeah. uh, for this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wrote after the game that I think probably the most frustrating thing is that a lot of Everton fans wouldn't have been surprised by the way Everton played uh, in that in that game. And I think that that's still rings true today, doesn't it? Yeah, there was unfortunately, there was a great deal of predictability and the way it, it panned out uh, there. In, in all truth, I thought they should have been um, behind at the break. You know, it was it was shambolic at times. I thought that defending in the first half, you know, Villa really should have been up by maybe at least a couple of goals. And they got lucky and then they sort of, um, they improved early in the second half and you thought, well, this is their opportunity now to go, to, to go ahead. But whereas, when Everton were enjoying their better spell, they just didn't have that composure in front of goal, and then they, they missed their opportunities or made the wrong pass, or it just didn't just wouldn't click for them. But when we saw with El Ghazi, you know that piece of quality, that composure that Everton were missing, and in the end, you know it was a as Carlo Ancelotti admitted, you know a, a deserved victory for for Villa, and it frustrating that we said this happened so many times now. Inferior opposition, you know that. They, 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 the, the so-called big six and their attempts to fly off to a European Super League has had much discussion in, in recent weeks, obviously. But, you know, Everton have really struggled against these teams of um, supposedly lesser ability and lesser resources this season. And that's the frustrating thing. It's happened again at, at Goodison Park. I mean, it's amazing they're still within touching distance. Maybe that indicates how inconsistent others have been this season. But, yeah, whenever they've had a big opportunity... Uh, they've blown it and they're, they're never able to seemingly to take that that step to really get themselves up in, into the mix. Mm. I think, Connor, that's that's the uh, the thing that sticks out, isn't it? You know, this was this was another massive opportunity, wasn't it? You know, you looked at that Arsenal away victory and I was saying on last week's podcast that, you know, it opened up so many possibilities for Everton. Between now and the end of the season, it put them right back firmly in that race and you, you, you take on Aston Villa at home and suddenly it, it all just seems... A little bit doom and gloom again, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it was it was a familiar kind of theme to the season, wasn't it? Where every time Seven have seemingly had a chance to really stake a claim or you know make a real statement or you know go into the top four or you know even to start season to go top of the league at one point, we've, we've just kind of we've, we've not just blown it, but we've just like embarrassed ourselves in, in blowing it, like because you know the, the Saturday game was just for me. It was like 
the latest chapter of like the, the garbage that we've been seeing at Goodison probably since you know the West Ham game uh, just before the turn of the year. I think you know the the performances have, have been pretty shambolic at home, and it was it was it was the continued theme. But I think that's the most disappointing thing because. Every time, and I'm sure we're going, to, we're going to touch on it more, but every time you see me think Everton have turned a corner and you know things are changing for the better, and this is a group of players, this is a team that can actually do something and go on and, and, and really challenge and put themselves in the mix. They just badly let themselves down. And, you know, El Ghazi's you know, goal was, was, a, it was a stunner. You know, the winner, it was, it was brilliant. You, you know, you look at the chances Everton gives it Aston Villa before they, before they took there. You know, it's just it's bad individual mistakes, and I think. Ultimately, until until they find a, a, you know, I think now that Europe's gone this season, I think it'll be a real struggle to get even, you know, top seven. I think we kind of had to win every game from our, uh, Aston Villa till before Manchester City to give ourselves a real chance. That's gone, and I think now it's just about trying to restore some pride, finish as high as it can. But I think in terms of where we find ourselves, it's just a familiar theme, and Everton just seems to be going round in circles at the minute, and they don't really kick on. And, Everyone's just kind of sat there, but not surprised by it because we've seen it so much this season that I think more people would have been shocked if we'd have gone and actually beat for the three or four nil on Saturday and really took the game to them. And that's how that's how our season's kind of ended up, and that's how I think the position we're in at the minute. Mm. I think Gav, I saw a stat going round on Twitter at the weekend that this is now Everton's worst season in terms of points per game in the league at Goodison Park. I mean, I know last week you were talking about you know this season still doesn't really feel real because there's no yeah. fans in there yeah. like that. Like it's it's still really disappointing stat that isn't it? You know, despite despite yeah. the obvious problems that we've had, you know, without having fans there, you know, you you still can't be putting in performances like that. No, no, and, and you're right. I mean, there's only so much leeway you can give, isn't there? Really, on this type of thing. Um, and as you say, like the performances weren't great as well. So I think. Um, you know, for me on Saturday, it was just clear from the start, just weren't on it, weren't he? You know, it was just um, just poor, poor defensively. Um, and saying, said on, on Saturday night that, you know, we've got beat at home, our man of matches as our keeper, and they've they've won and struck the woodwork well, twice as well, mm. which doesn't, doesn't uh, pay to good picture, that does it really. And that's, as you say, but he said, like, you know, it's typical of our home performances. I mean, lost count now of the teams that we've been beating us at Goodison now, is it? Like, you know, and, and the disappointing thing is they're all from, a lot of them are in the same sort of part of the table, are they? You know, I've, I've got the table here. Villa 10th beat us. Leeds 11th beat us. Palace 13th, they get a point. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Burnley 16th beat us. Newcastle 17th beat us. Fulham 18th beat us. Oh, have we still got to play Sheffield United? I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's a disappointing thing, isn't it? It's one thing getting beat by Man City, Man United, dare I say Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, all that type of stuff. It's Arsenal even. Mm. It's it's the, it's where the, those defeats have come against, isn't it, really? That's a disappointing thing. Where are Wolves? Are they, are they 12th at the minute? 12th, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we've got to play Wolves and Sheffield United. So, it's about time to turn that round, then, isn't it? Like, that, that, yeah. I think that's the that's the point that we need to make, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, that's just made us the games are running out now, Andy. And like, you know, we've got five games left, one of them, City, 
Mm. Four wins have still got us there or thereabouts. I think 64 points, but at the same time, one of them's against West Ham, which will be tough. Mm. I think, Villa, from what you're seeing on uh, on Saturday night, it's going to be tough down there, isn't it? Um, mm. And also, as well, Villa and Arsenal behind us are picking up a bit of speed. So, um, yeah, it's not, not great, is it? Mm. Speaking about not great, bees. I mean, mm-hmm. before the game, there was there was a bit of a bad news for Everton with James Rodriguez getting yeah. injured in the warm up, having to pull out, and Alex Awobi came into the side, and obviously it led to a bit of a reshuffle of the Everton side with Iwobi coming in on the right, Sigurdsson started uh, in the middle, and Richarlison was out on the left hand side. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much emphasis do you put on you know that that late change? You know, do, do you think it it's any excuse at all? Well, obviously, it couldn't have helped. It was, like we were saying, um, a fortunate position where he'd actually been able to seemingly name an unchanged side again. So you're going to have that continuity. Hammers have been showing, you know, plenty of flashes of brilliance in, in recent weeks and had, had been pulling the strings. So, of course, you know, it, 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 was a, it was a big blow and to come so late. And like you say, it's not like a world became in like for like. Um, Sigurdsson obviously got moved around um, because of that. So, yeah, it, it can't have helped, but I don't use that. I'd, as an excuse, you know, one player, albeit, you know, the most creative player. I know I said myself the other week, he, you know, maybe he's not in peak condition right now in his career, but there's a strong argument to say he's possibly the most talented outfield player Everton have ever had. Um, certainly, you know, given his pedigree in the past, you could put a strong case for that. But no, on, on the day, um, they still should have had more than enough in the, in the locker to have done much better against Aston Villa. Yeah, Aston Villa... Um, have had a decent season compared to what they've had in, in, in recent years. They've kicked on a bit, but still you'd think that Everton have got more resources than they have and uh, you know, supposedly a, a stronger group of players. And they got, they got Don't forget, they were missing Jack Grealish still. He's, he's been out for a while, hasn't he? Their, their most creative um, outlet. So, no, it was it was very disappointing that Everton didn't have, you know, make far more of a fist of that. And, you know, they still could they still could have, you know, gone on and, and won that if they'd taken the chances when they had them early in the second half. And that was the frustrating thing again, that lack of composure, whereas, you know, Villa go and produce a goal like their winner when, you know, Ever- Everton just couldn't um, take take advantage of when they when they were on top in that brief period. Mm. I mean, Conor B speaks about those moments and I think he's quite right. You know, a lack of composure. I think, you know, the likes of Richarlison and Gilfie Sigurdsson, I think on the edge of the box, just making the wrong decisions, uh, you know, not choosing to shoot or, you know, making the wrong pass. If James Rodriguez was on the pitch, you would probably expect that Everton would be making the right decisions in those areas, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why, you know, when when the kind of the news filter through, I mean, obviously it was a bit strange to... The weekend because obviously you know it was abiding by the social media ban. It was you didn't get the normal kinds of team news updates, and it wasn't kind of you know as as high profile as it probably would have been if 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 social media was in full flow. Hammers dropping out, but when the news kind of did filter through, you, you know there's no. It was a huge blow. I mean, I seen you, you can try and you know quote it and say give a few other people a chance, but I think the way Hammers Rodriguez has been in recent weeks and, and what we've seen so far this season, he's just so instrumental to what. To, to everything good that Everton have done recently, you know, his, his composure, his, his, his self, the confidence he has in himself to, to make the right option. I think, you know, there was a couple of times there in the second half where, you know, Charleston goes, goes through, he gets himself in a good position. I don't know about you, lads, but I've got absolutely no confidence that he's going to make the right decision or, or do the right thing. It, you know, I think there was one where the ball came across, he just 
swiped at it. It, it went, you know, nearly at the corner flag, basically. And I think that's where, you know, Everton are massively missing Hamas Rodriguez. And it's a worry because I think, you know, you look at this season, that there, there was a lot of kinds of hurdles overcoming nearly parts and saying, you know, we won't work with Charles and we, we won't work with Hamas. And, you know, there was a time that, you know, Christmas where some fans were saying, we might be a better team without Hammers in it in terms of when we were kind of the, the four centre backs at the back and we were just kind of you know grafting our way through matches. But now I think it's it's abundantly clear that Everton needs Hammers Rodriguez in the starting lineup as, as fast as they can. And if he's fit the weekend, he's got to start. It, it's as simple as that. And it's not even a thing. It's not even a case of people didn't take the chance. I think it's just the fact that he makes Everton a better team. And we're also just so much poorer. And like we see in the weekend, you know the, the attacking options in terms of. Sigurdsson, Richarlison, Awobi, you know, Calvert-Lewin's got absolutely no chance of scoring, if we're being quite frank, because he's just not getting the ball in positions or areas where he can properly give himself a chance or an opportunity. And until that changes, I think we're going to continue to struggle and it'll probably will continue to struggle if, as long as Hammers isn't, isn't our starting lineup. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I was speaking to Michael Ball a little bit earlier for his weekly column and he was saying that he feels like Everton almost are making it up as they go along when they get it up to the final third. You know, they can play well right up until that final third. And then, you know, it's it's down to the it's down to the quality of the players to try and to try and put the ball in the back of the net. And I suppose that's all right when you've got James Rodriguez on the pitch, because he can pull, you know, a goal out of thin air for himself or set up a, an amazing chance for somebody else, can't he, Gav? But a, when he's not in the team and you've had to replace him with somebody like Alex Awobi, who, you know, for the best will in the world, he's not exactly in form, is he? So when no. you, when you, when you're swapping out players like that, I mean, it's, you, you do need a little bit of a plan really, don't you? I don't, well, don't think Everton really did. No, no. Well, it wasn't helped by, it's never the best, is it? When you're called in late, hmm. you know, psychologically, you, you, you're preparing on you for time on the bench and then all of a sudden you, you, you put on the pitch. Uh, that can be quite difficult. It changes the setup of the team and stuff. Uh, yeah, I get that, um, we're saying. But at the same time, I think Calvert-Lewin's main, Calvert-Lewin, <laughs> Calvert-Lewin's main weakness is, well, what you know, he's got a couple he needs to work on, is creating stuff for himself. That's what the best strikers do. The best strikers are not necessarily ones who just fit. You know, I don't think it's enough these days as a striker just to be a finisher. You have to do more work. And Calvert-Lewin needs to do more work and needs to create more himself. I mean, he tried to do that in the second half, I think. And I think that was the shot that went near the uh, the corner flag, wasn't it? You know, and I mean, Harry Kane is a great player. And I'm not saying that Calvert-Lewin is in Harry Kane's class. We'll see how many goals where Harry Kane scores, where he's created them himself, where he's picked up the ball, maybe gone past one defender and fired it in. And Calvert-Lewin is not really made up like that, is he? So if you're not getting saved, the top strikers will still create chances themselves. And mm. But at, at the same time, they had chances. I mean, how many chances did he have against Spurs? Uh, sorry, um, what was the game? Was it Palace? We, I can't remember. The other week, we had loads of chances. We had created chances at home. 
Um, and he had to, when he scored on scored on Saturday, he had one saved as well. So um, yeah, I, I, I get that. I, the, 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 the midfield setup is not 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 home to be creative. But if you think that Gomez is not going to give you any assists, he's a one or two assists a season person, isn't he? Will be hardly provided anything. Uh, Alan, that's not his game. So you're relying on Sigurdsson, really, aren't you? Mm. And Sigurdsson, as we know, is a player at the moment. It's not a player who's going to run the game for you. So, there, there, I say it's a day that we need to look at, you know, like several others. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think Gab's completely right there, Bees. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the lack of service that Dominic Calvert Lewin had, you know, obviously he had the service for the goal that he scored and for the one that was saved. I think both of them were crosses from Luca Dean, but. There's only so much that Luke Dean can do in terms of crossing it into the box. It's, it's, yeah. It seems that whoever Everton are playing on the wing at the minute, their first instinct is to try and cut inside rather than try and get to the byline and get crosses into the box, which is which seems strange to me because you know Everton have probably got one of the best headers of the ball in the Premier League at the minute in Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and we just don't seem to be using it all that well. Yeah, and it's also a point that's been picked up on uh, with the, the, the corner kicks having, having the outswinging corners. I mean, no, no, obviously scored from a, a, a cross at the weekend, but, you know, it's been picked up by a lot of people that, you know, the way that Andy Hinchcliffe, I know it's a generation ago, but, you know, would, would whip them in. Um, you know, it was always a, a potent um, weapon, but was it, they now tend to have the, the, the outswinger and it's never, you know, Quite as potent a weapon, but yeah, it's it's nice to have Luca Dean in that in your armory to have somebody have a fullback who can create those kind of chances for you. But like you say, should be more reliant on your midfield players to be uh, giving you that supply line. And as I said, if Hamas Rodriguez isn't in the side, and then that that sadly does seem to be lacking some of the players you mentioned. There. I mean, Alex Awobi is an attacking midfielder. You know, he needs to be contributing more in the final third. What's he got? Is it just the one Premier League goal this season? Andre Gomez, I just, you know, without you know, picking on him, singling him out, just what is he contributing then? Because without the ball, you know, he's not giving you a lot defensively. And I dare say he's quite a liability without the ball. You're always fearing he's going to, you know, you hear Carlo on the sidelines, no foul, no foul all the time. And, uh, you know, he doesn't want to give away silly free kicks in dangerous areas. But then, you know, for a player who was so popular when he initially came to Everton, obviously he had that awful injury and he did well to come back from that. But there just isn't anything in, in the final third for him. And as Gav said, is it one or two assists a season? That What is he doing if he's not a defensive? If he's not like Alan and giving you that shield in front of the back four, what is he? what tangibly is he actually... Creating there, so that, that there is an issue. I think that just the, the balance and the makeup of that midfield again. It was mentioned Sigurdsson, a player of spectacular moments, rather than one who will run the game. Yeah, there, there is. I think there's a serious issue in in regards to the, the balance of that midfield, and you know where they go forward next season when it comes to that supplying the, the creativity for for the front players. Mm. Picking up on that point, Connor, do you think it would have been any different if you know the likes of Tom Davis maybe would have started? Instead of Andre Gomez, I personally think it's you know a bit of a shame that Davis has been dropped because I think he was probably in the best form of his Everton career and he's just he's just not really had a look in over the last couple of weeks for some reason. Yeah, I'm completely with you. As I think I'm baffled by the whole Tom Davis situation. To, to be honest, I think I, I was baffled last week when Fabian Del got an odd over to corner at the Emirates against Arsenal. I was baffled on Saturday that he didn't start. I was then baffled even more when Del got the nod again to come on over him. Um, and I think as well, I mean, you know, I, I 
listen to the the Carl Ancelotti talk actually for Liverpool University, and you know he, he he was quite keen to pinpoint Tom Davis out and talk about him in such high praise and and high regard, and then you kind of look at the situation. You come away from that thinking, oh well, it's quite clear that you know Tom Davis is a massive part of his plans. You know he, he's clearly called Carlos I. But then you know you look on Saturday and he you know he's, he's snubbed again, pretty much basically, and and you just think to yourself like. How? Why? You know, why is that? Why is that happening? You know, is there something behind the scenes that we're not seeing? Is he has he got an injury that we don't know about, and that they may be managing his games, but treating now into the season? But for me, I'm just I'm a bit I'm a bit baffled by it. I think he, he was harsh done to be dropped in the first place, but then I think the last couple of weeks, the way the way Fabian Dell's been kind of you know ushered in over him and, and it seems now above him in the pecking order, um, it is one that baffles me. And I think you know ultimately, I think the the, the big thing for Carl Ancelotti and, and Everton is that. You know this this time, you no know, kind of this last the last year sort of to, in the Premier League, we kind of we knew Everton's squad had more kind of questions than answers. It was kind of you know there was a lot of debate and there was a lot you know speculation surrounding it and moving forward. And I think the the, the thing for me is is that you think you look now, it's there's still them questions linger. I think you know what is the best centre back pair at the club? No one knows because it changed on a weekly basis. You know, apart from maybe the two fullbacks. But even then, Seamus Coleman's being announced at the time. So, you know, is, is that the end? You know, where we we kind of, we haven't got to settle back for, you know, the midfield constantly changes and, and Carlos seemingly, you know, goes through stages where he favours certain individuals for a prolonged period of time. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's changed. Like now we're seeing with Tom Davison. And again, you know, the forward line, apart from maybe Calvert Lewin and, and Richarlison, you know, the right who plays on the right-hand side, it's, it's been swapped and changing this year. So I think, for me, with, with, the, with the Tom Davis situation, it kind of come, all comes into one with whatever squad at the minute where we still really don't know what's actually Carlos thinking and what's in the plans because it's changed so much so far this season and it probably will change between now and the end of the season that we can't actually really determine who's actually a starter, who's in his plans and, and basically who's you know, fighting for the future of the club because I think we'd all agree, you know, four or five weeks ago, Fabian Delph was probably a set of, he'll probably drop Travis Pound and push him out in the summer you know, likewise Bernard, but then you look at the weekends and Bernard and, and Delph are thrown around in a bid to try and, you know, salvage something from the game. So, for me, I think the Tom Davis question is, is one that comes into a wider issue with Everton squad at the minute, but in terms of Davis himself, I think it's massively disappointing and I think if I was Tom Davis looking, sitting there right now, if there's, if there's not an issue that we don't know about behind the scenes, if it is just on, you know, face value like, like we see it now, I would be asking questions and I would be, you know, considering me, me future probably because if them players are getting an odd over me now, given what's gone on over last year. I'd be concerned. Mm. How would you be looking at it if you were Tom Davis, Gav? I mean, you know, I think Connor's right. It, it does seem that he's getting some sort of mixed signals from the manager, doesn't it? You know, one one week he's set, likening himself to him uh, in a yeah, yeah, yeah. lecture, and then he's uh, he's dropping him and he's bringing on Fabian Delph ahead of him. Who, as 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 I'll say, like again, as I did with the Wobie, he's not exactly in form, is he? Not exactly fit either. Um, yeah. yeah, it's all a bit baffling, that isn't it? Um, we spoke about on Friday, didn't we? In the pod, Carlos tinkering. You know, is it? Is it? You know, can you explain it? And I think we said that we, you know, a lot of the change be forced upon him with injuries and stuff and absences, which I think that's fair enough. And we, you know, we want to go see our subs in some games, but Tom doesn't fit into that category, does it? You know, and he has been. You know, Let's face it, he's he's not he, Tom will do a job for you. He's not like top class and he's not, you know, he'll do a job and he, he's been playing okay, hasn't he? And if he's not coming off the bench, 
I'm slightly baffled, really. Um, I mean, it's one thing being bringing Delf on when you're winning 3-0. But a 20-minute run-out or half an hour run-out to get a bit of fitness. But if you tight game at home, tight game at the, the Emirates, wasn't it, where it was still... I think we would have been drawing both them matches, wouldn't no, no, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you'd be thinking, well, what's going on here? Uh, so, yeah, I, I would be... I, I just don't know. Uh, it, it's 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 inexplicable. It's not as if the players who've come in and started the game have been excellent. I mean, Gomez is like let's face it, has been you know poor. I think that's poor putting it mildly. The last couple of games, as he has been for, for a lot of the season. So yeah, a bit mystified. I'm not I'm just not sure what's going on there. Uh, to be honest with you, there's no change for me. To be to be honest with you, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. The only thing I could think about it is that. Everton know Travi and Delft's time is up at the club and they're trying to get them games to put them in the shop window. Yeah. Somewhere. That's the only reason that you could think of if there's no... But I mean, I know I, I, I'm not quite on board with that because we've still got... We should be putting the team out there we should we should, we should win. But it's just... It, yeah, I've seen it before haven't we, with players at clubs and, you know, I've been doing certainly abroad in Europe where players are kind of given game time and towards the end of the season to prove that they're fit and that put them in the shop window, remind other clubs that they still exist and, 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 and they can be valuable assets. But yeah, I, I just think it's it's baffling. And, you know, I, I think it, it's hard to it's hard to criticise Carlo, isn't it? Because he's he's everything that we've always wanted in, in Everton manager in recent years in terms of, you know, his elite level pedigree and his experience. But it's times like this where you, you do you do have to question, I think, and ask sort of what is this thinking and what is it? Because when absolutely no one has got a defence for it, then that's when you know that this the, the, the the, the thinking and the, and the kind of the moves are baffling and I haven't seen anyone who's got any sort of kind of back and behind the idea of Fabian Delph playing and get, certainly getting another over Tom Davis. Mm. And I think that's the thing for me, isn't it? Be, you know, you see Carlo Ancelotti come out after the game and he was criticising the team for, you know, their lack of, the lack of spirit again and their, you know, lack of teamwork. And I mean, if you've got Tom Davis on the bench, who, if nothing else, is an academy graduate, he's a, he's a boyhood blue, Come through mm-hmm. the ranks. Surely, if you'd have brought him on in that sort of situation, one-one, when you think you're lacking a bit of spirit, surely he, br- he at least brings that sort of energy and drive and spirit to the midfield, doesn't he? Yeah, he's uh, I mean, like I said, uh, you know, the, the local lad who you know all he's ever wanted to do is, is to play for Everton. That's his, his lifelong ambition. Yeah, that's that's one thing that can't be questioned about Tom Davis. In that, you know, he he will give you that if the supporters were in the stadium, the sort of displays that you know they could. Um, Sort of feed off, yeah. That um, it it is it is strange, like you said, the way that you know all of a sudden Fabian Belf Delft is you know is straight back in there because it's just, it's just been a strange time for Delft at Everton. Um, you know, I remember in those early weeks when he first arrived at the club. I think they you know they were very pleased with what they've got. They thought it was really astute piece of business. You know this. This winner on and off the pitch, this character in the dressing room who was gonna sort of give Everton that that, that again that that spirit that they needed because you know at the, at the time that was when Marco Silva was still there and they'd infamously never come back from a losing um, scoreline to go and win a Premier League game. They were seen as needing leaders within the camp, but yeah, it's, it's just not happened for him. So for Tom to lose his place, you know, for a, a player like that has almost become a a forgotten player. It, it is strange how all of a sudden he, he you know, he, he's straight back in there. So unless, like the other lads have said, if it is some ulterior motive, I mean, 
you would you wouldn't think so, would you? Given that there's still European football and places to to be fought for, and you know, with it being so close, that they they wouldn't start the experimentation so soon. But yeah, it it, it, it is a strange one. And you, like I said, one thing you could depend on from Tom Davis would be that that spirit and those those battling qualities that Evertonians want to see. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. One player who did keep his place uh, from the Arsenal game, Gav, was Mason Holgate. I was a little bit surprised that he kept his place, to be honest, with Michael Keane and Yeri Mina on the bench. Yeah. I know hindsight to 2020, but, you know, (laughs) as it turns out... (laughs) Uh, I, w- I was right to be a little bit surprised that he was in the starting lineup because, let's be honest, it, yeah. it really wasn't his best game, was it? Well, it wasn't Godfrey's best game either. I think that was probably his worst yeah, he's had. Yeah. Um, I think they're both. I mean, it's disappointing that if you have a look at the two Spurs goals, the first Villa goal on, on Saturday, the three, three successive goals, you can see the Goodson all down to absolute schoolboy defending, wasn't it, really? It was catastrophic. Um, yeah, Holgate's a player. He's 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 always been in a not proven category for me, Holgate, um, and he showed that again on on Saturday. But he wasn't the only one who was uh, who was at fault. Uh, I thought, uh, you, yeah, sometimes when we pass the ball out, the position of our midfield is not necessarily great. There's sometimes it's not an obvious pass for for the, the centre half. Uh, the way Gomez and Allen position themselves. Uh, and I, I certainly get that. You know, some of the problems we've had is, is, is you know, going back to what we said before, the shape of the midfield. Yeah, yeah, Holgate. In, but let's face it, Michael Keane has a really good season, really good, like, nine or ten games at the end of last season. But, you know, he'd been struggling, hadn't he, for a few games, well, since, as we said before, since he got dropped by England. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, there's a... There's a few issues there, isn't it, to be resolved? We've spoken about, you know, there's not one area of the pitch where you could say, oh, yeah, we're completely settled there at the moment. There's, there's, it's all a work in progress. To me, it was just slightly worrying, you know. But, yeah, Holgate was poor, but he wasn't the only one, as in Godfrey, you'd, you'd, you'd throw into that mix. Up. Watkins ran them ragged in the first half. Yeah. I mean, it was it was Watkins who uh, stole the ball from Holgate to score, wasn't it, Connor? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think probably the the issue that uh, that a lot of fans had, and the issue that I had as well, is that Holgate he had a warning, you know, two or three minutes before I think it was, where he nearly lost the ball to Watkins in a very similar sort of way, and uh, you know, just two minutes later, loses the ball and Everton a one nil down, and as Gav rightly says, you know, it's it's them Everton shooting themselves in the foot yet again, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and it's been a common theme, hasn't it? You know, it's a a lot of a lot of the goals I think Everton have conceded certainly over the last weeks have just been down, down to our own doing. I think you know I think Al Ghazi's Al Ghazi wins probably the, the the first goal where an opposition's plays scores and you thought that's a good goal that <laughs> Everton have conceded because most of the time it's either our own making or someone's made a bad individual mistake. But yeah, I think that I think the thing with Holgate is I think I, I always think Holgate's kind of one of them players where 
he's kind of in the confidence stroke arrogance bracket. So like you say there, in terms of mm. he had a one or two or three minutes before it, but he has his own kind of belief and confidence that, oh, it's okay because I won't get it wrong again. And I think sometimes people look at that as an arrogance. Maybe it's just overconfident, but I think he's in that bracket where he has so much kinds of belief in himself and he just thinks, oh, I'll do it again because I, I, I never got punched the last time and I, I'll, I'll you know, make sure I do it right this time. And I think this season, you know, you look a couple of times, he's been punished. And I think it, for him to still be in and around the team the way he is, is surprising to me. And, you know, like you in, in our Echo team, team predictor, I, I thought he'd go with Mina, to be fair, just to, just, 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 as, as someone to come in and freshen things up. But, yeah, I think it's, it's a strange what Mason Holgate because I think, you know, at the start of the season, people have high hopes for him, but I don't think he's really kicked on and become the player that we all hoped he would be. And I think, you know, uh, you, you look at it now, I think, and certainly, certainly my, one of my takes from, from the weekend was, you know, you look at the players and the positions that I've continually linked with. You know, you, there's the centre-back, the right-back, midfielders, a playmaker, and an additional centre-forward. You know, you just watched our kind of the last four or five home games and you quickly see why them links are there and why the players you mentioned are mentioned because every one of them, if, if we brought them, you know, them areas in, no one could complain and be surprised because, like we, I know, we're, we're, not just Holgate in, in himself, but across the pitch, you know, we just shoot ourselves in the foot and I think he's probably, the, he bore the front of it the weekend because his goal cost, his error cost us a goal directly. But like Gav said, I think he was just one of, one of half a dozen who, who, who has absolute nights to forget. And, you know, the, the big thing for Everton is if it, you know, Jordan Pickford, someone who's also coming for a lot of criticism this season, if it wasn't for him, they, they could have been, you know, they could have lost five or six one, let's, let's face it, because he made a, a string of impressive stops. So it was a, it was a night to forget for Holgate. And I think as well, you, know, you look at Gareth Southgate was there, wasn't it? I think there was hope at the start of the season that he could potentially force his way onto the plane as a bit of a wild card entry. And the same with Michael Keane. And yeah, you know, if you're Gareth Southgate sitting there the weekend and Mason Hall gets getting out over Michael Keane, I don't think it gives either of them much confidence that they've got any chance of making the Euro squad this summer. Mm. I think Connor's right to uh, mention Jordan Pickford there, bees. I think it'd be mm-hmm. remiss of us to not talk about him as, as, as depressing as the rest of this podcast has been. I think we yeah. need to we need to talk about how well Jordan Pickford played, don't we? Because, you know, some of the saves that he was pulling out in the first half there were absolutely world-class. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what we that's what we've known about him from the start. You know, as, as a shot stopper, he can make saves that a lot of other goalkeepers in the Premier League can't do, and that's how he established himself quite quickly as as England's number one at the end of his first season at Everton, and that's something um, that Everton haven't had before. You know, a, a long-standing England number one, and but what comes with that is increased scrutiny by quite a lot. I think. You know, as the game has progressed, that that has also in, increased. You know, the the amount of um, scrutiny, individual scrutiny that you do get in that position as England's number one. So not just from ourselves and the, the local regional press, but on you know the national scale. And he has struggled with that at times. I I just think that when Jordan's head's right, um, he will be all right. In that, that I don't think there are any sort of question marks. Over his ability as his goal as a goalkeeper and what he can physically do, I think the question marks have always been mentally with his concentration. It's been said before on this podcast. Perhaps he's unfortunately for Everton, he, he's better when he is kept busy rather than being one of those top keepers who have to go eighty nine minutes, who don't do anything, then pull one out and and do a save for you. So 
Yeah, and those are the moments that that he shines. And you know, for all that the scrutiny has been over whether he himself will be going to England as um, European Championships as number one. He had an injury recently, but I think though, when you know when he's fit and when he's on it, like he is, and he he doesn't make the silly mistakes, the unforced errors again, which is a mental thing rather than a physical thing. That yeah, the he's the best English goalkeeper out there, and he and he should be an asset to Everton, which which we saw at the weekend. Mm. And I suppose, Gav, whereas, you know, Everton as a collective keep dropping opportunities and, you know, some individuals are dropping opportunities, Jordan Pickford's hit form at exactly the right time for himself, hasn't he? You know, as as B says, with the Euros fast approaching this summer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you said, I think your question there, Ad, was how well Jordan Pickford played. I think I'd extend that to say was, say, how well is Jordan Pickford playing? Yeah. Um. This is probably the best sort of run of form he's had since his first season. Uh, but I get your comments about, like, you know, his concentration is, mm-hmm. a, you know, not the best. But at Arsenal, he'd had nothing to do, had he, until really the, the 89th minute. And he pulled off that. It was a quite an unusual save, wasn't it? It was shot was taken by surprise. So, yeah, um, yeah, I thought he was exceptional. He, he pulled off. I mean, that save was it off Sayore, was it? What, what that kind yeah. of the cross come shot yeah. and he, he sort of pirouetted in the air and you know palms it away was was exception exceptional. Um, yeah, J- Jordan. You know, you could argue Jordan at his peak is is easily the best English goalkeeper, isn't he? Mm. You know when he's playing well. You know, and um, you seen that again on Saturday. It was a shame that we gave him so many opportunities to show how well he's <laughs> playing. Or, there's <laughs> <laughs> always a downside, isn't it? You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that reminds me. I think I think uh, when Pat Jennings won the the football writers, uh, I think it was football writers or PFA football the year award in the mid seventies. When he made a speech, he, he, his first thing he said, "I'd like to thank the uh, the Spurs defence for giving me so many opportunities <laughs> this season to to, uh, to win this award." You know, and there was a bit there, there was a bit of Jordan on Saturday. I think on on that, you know. Well, I'm glad we got a mention of the 70s right, right before the Well, end. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, Would have been remiss of us to not, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Tenno's not here, so I thought I'd yeah. you know, go out yeah, a bit stronger today, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, lads, for joining me, and thank you for listening. We'll be back a little bit later in the week, hopefully with a little bit more of an upbeat podcast as we look mm. ahead to Everton's big match against West Ham United. Uh, West Ham uh, later next weekend but uh, until then thank you for listening this has been the Royal Blue Podcast you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo